Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Hey, grab a seat. So glad you are here this morning. Grab a seat, grab a seat. We are continuing our series on dating and singleness. And if you do not have a chair, uh, if a couple dudes would be willing to grab a chair and pull them over and, and help people to fill in and, and shove over. I know there's some, some crunching going on. Are y'all feeling good this morning? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I know we've got all sorts of crazy coming. We've got some people with chairs going. I'm, I'm gonna let you guys grab a seat. And as they're doing that, I think the best thing to start off this uh, sermon is with a simple video. I, McKenna. I. McKenna. I. McKenna. Promise. Promise. Daddy. Daddy. That I will not. That I will not. Have any boyfriends. That I will not have any <laughs> Have any boyfriends. Say it. Say, I will not have any boyfriends. I just want to look at them, though. Who gave you that ring? Mommy. What's your boyfriend's name? Who boyfriend? No, you're not allowed to have boyfriends. <laughs> Kate, can you stand up, please? not have a boyfriend right now. You, no, no. you can have a friend who's a boy. <laughs> oh. We're talking about the single life, people. We're talking about the single life, and many of you feel exactly like that little girl, and you've been throwing a tantrum all week. But I'll tell you this, it is so fun to go through a series of dating, on dating with, uh, with you guys because that is right square where many of you find yourselves. And, and last week we talked about the one myth. And the one myth goes like this, that as soon as I find the right one, then everything will be all right. And, and we talked about last week that actually no one can complete you in the way that you desire to be completed. And so if you, if you haven't heard that one, I encourage you to go to our uh, Grace College podcast. You can listen to that. Jacob and I do a little banter on the tail end of the podcast too. Jacob's the uh, uh, college direct, teaching director over at the Anderson campus. Hear a little bit about that. And over the next three weeks, we're going to continue our series on dating. This week, we're going to look at being strategically single. How do you leverage your single life? Next week, we're looking at the pursuit. How do you search, that, navigate that dating environment today? And then the last week, we're going to look at the plunge. How do you know you're ready to jump in to marriage? But this week, we're looking at what it looks like to leverage your single life. And as soon as I say the, the phrase or the idea of single life, as soon as I say singles, how do you feel? Let's give a little response. Hey, do we have some singles in the house? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Woo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, some of you are excited about singleness, and for some of you, you're like, this is, it's, it's pure freedom. When I say single people, you're like, okay, that's me. Single life, it's pure freedom, pure joy. You can do whatever you want with your time. For others of you, when I say single life, you're a single, you say, it's like purgatory, Kevin. It's that place where I'm paying off my debt until 
life can really begin. You know, it's that, it's that sentence for you. And I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but I tell you what, our culture has a view on single life. It has a view on singleness, on, on what it's supposed to be. And I just want to take a moment to start off with by looking at some pop culture ideas on singleness. And I read an article by Elite Daily, and I read lots of tweets. I looked at lots of funny memes. Um, but, I, but I centered in on, on these ideas from this article in Elite Daily on what single life can be leveraged for. It's an article written by Jason Anthony, and I think he reflects for many of us, or many in our culture, what single life is like. And the first thing that he says is this, single life basically is the best life. And he proves it with seven points. How perfect is that, Christians? Okay, single life is the best life, and he's not a Christian, by the way. But he says this. One, first of all, you can do whatever you want. You can literally do whatever you want. He says says this. Feel like taking an impromptu trip to Spain? Book it. Want to binge watch the new season of Orange is the New Black? Clear your schedule and hit the couch. You run the show. You're not bound by bound morally or contractually to check in, refer to the, um, or do anything. You can literally do whatever you want, start your own business, forge your own destiny. Being single comes with the unrivaled freedom that a number of people in relationships do not have. It's all about you, baby, and that's a beautiful thing. I added the baby part, but that's, that's his deal. Secondly, he says this, hey, there's less drama. Gone are the days of bickering, miscommunication, and indecision. The dreaded where do you want to eat conversation that ends in in you eating nowhere vanishes. You have less drama. Third, you can meet many unique people. Being single allows, uh, also means you can date more types of people than you can ever imagine. The world is your dating pool. With Tinder and OkCupid, you have literally limitless options. Number four, your sex life is consistent, he says. Mm. And he has some colorful language as he describes that. Actually, the research shows that your sex life isn't as, as frequent. Sorry, buddy. But moving on. Number five, you are stronger and more independent, he says. You're not in a bad relationship. And number seven, you can finally find fulfillment. When you're single, you can afford many exciting opportunities. You are able to discover uh, what you cannot do alone, and you can be happy finally in yourself. When When you rely on or expect the happiness to come from external sources, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So that's his view. Single life, in his view, is the best life. You can leverage your life in a great way. And you're like, Kevin, I don't feel that way for many of you. In fact, in our statistics, we asked the question last, last week, how many of you want to be married? I, and I told you I'd reveal some of our statistics. 99.9% of you said, I want to be married. In fact, only one person in this room said they didn't want to be married. And over at Anderson, we did the same thing. And literally, one person also said they didn't want to get married. So the two of you need to get together because you're going in the same direction. It's awesome, right? But the rest of you in the room literally want to get married. And for some of you, you don't think single life is the best life. You think single life is actually the worst life. And here's some of the things that you think about it. First, you think, if you're single, some of you, that you're undesirable. And here's some of the pictures that show this, okay? They're all happy, and one girl in the bottom left-hand corner. For some of you, that's how you feel in the single life. Oh, my gosh. 
For others of you, it feels like this. Everyone's got somebody but me, you know? You're just there. You're the lone man out. You're the third wheel. Y'all want to go out to dinner? Sure, I'll go Dutch and pay for myself, you know? And y'all go have a great time. And, and it feels literally like you are the only one. You feel, some of you, like you're undesirable. For others of you, you feel like you're living God's plan B. In fact, I read one article by Paige Benton, and she writes this. Much has been written um, in the Christian circles about singleness. The objective is usually either to chide the married population for their misunderstandings and segretism or to empathize with the unmarried population as they bear the cross of plan B for the Christian life, right? And for some of you, that's how you feel about it. You feel like you're literally living God's plan B in life. Or third, Some of you are just waiting for life to truly begin. You are Rapunzel. You're sitting in your tower and you're singing the song, when will my life begin? When can I start something great? And for those of you who aren't laughing, you haven't seen Rapunzel. And I'm sorry, you ought to watch it sometime in your free time. But it's literally, you're just waiting for life to get good, life to get going. And so single life for you just feels like the worst life. And I'll tell you what, Both views miss the mark. Both views pine for a season that doesn't really exist. You pine for this other thing of like when I can get married or when I can stay single. And and both people, married people, oftentimes pine for singleness and single people often pine for days of marriage. And I'll tell you what, both views miss the point. Which one's better? The answer is yes. They're both good. Which one is better? Neither. Both have obstacles and opportunities in them. So how are we spending our single life? How are we leveraging this time that God has given us in our single life, in American culture? And I've looked at lots of statistics, lots of ideas of of people going, hey, this is how we're leveraging our single life. And the first one is this, that we're having sex. We are. According to the National Marriage Project, they say this, By age 25, 44% of women are having, have had a baby. Let that sink in for a second. By age 25, 44% of women have had a baby, while only 38% have married. By the time they turn 30, about two-thirds of American women have had a baby. Say that again. By the age 30, two-thirds of women have had a baby, typically out of wedlock. Overall, 48% of the rest of births are to unmarried women, most of them in their 20s. So we're having sex. And and you're like, Kevin, why are you dogging on women? I'm not. It takes two to tango, people, right? The women aren't having babies on their own. You're part of it, right? Two-thirds of women, before they turn 30, they're having sex. How do you know they're having sex, Kevin? When two people love each other very much and they get together, that's what happens. So we're having sex. Secondly, we're, we're living together. According to most statistics right now, 35% of single men are cohabitating and reportedly highly satisfied, that they are highly satisfied with life compared to, this is very interesting. Okay, so, so basically people are, a lot of people are cohabitating. The question is, is it beneficial? Are people enjoying it? Actually, the lowest statistic of people enjoying life occur from those people that are cohabitating. Cohabitating. 35% of single men um, and cohabitating men report that they are highly satisfied with their lives compared to 52% of married men. Likewise, 33% of single women and 29% of cohabitating women are highly satisfied compared to 47% of married women. So what's happening for most of these people, they're living their single life 
And the people that are cohabitating or just single are less satisfied with how their sex life, relational life, is going. And it's very interesting. They assume that, well, once I just live together with someone, then I'll be more happy. But the statistics show actually living together with someone isn't making anyone more happy. It's about the same as as people that are satisfied with life as a single. And thirdly, we're playing video games. Now, I've got no problem with video games, but I read one study in particular about 22-year-old dudes and video game obsessions. And literally, they're looking at people that are in prime working age, like 22, like you're in the prime of life. If you want to go, what is, what is life going to look like when I'm, I don't know, 28? Look at yourself at 22. It doesn't get any better than that, okay? Physically, you're like in your prime. You're primed to actually work. And they said these guys literally would not get off the couch because they're too busy conquering imaginary worlds rather than searching for a real job. And they're living at home with mama. So they're, co- they're conquering imaginary worlds, not not driving themselves forward. They're playing video games. And for us, we can look at our time and Netflix and video games. And look, I'm not anti-Netflix. I watch it. I'm not anti-video games. I play them. But when it inhibits you from doing something great, it's just limiting. And fourthly, we're drinking more. It's interesting. There's a study by uh, University of Virginia. And they, they tested twins, whether they were married or single, and how much they drink. And they found that the married or dating people are drinking substantially less than those who are single going out and partying. So they literally looked at how much they're drinking and single people, the alcohol consumption is substantially higher. And here's what one psychologist writes who was in the study. It seems that intimate relationships may provide a real benefit in terms of drinking behavior. Maybe through mechanisms such as monitoring the effects of the partnership have for one another, says Diana Dinescu, a PhD candidate in clinical psychology. And so what we see of how we're spending our life in a negative sense for many of us, we're sleeping together, we're living together, we're breaking up, we're making up, we're drinking, and we're not necessarily leveraging our life toward anything great. Even in those seasons, it feels like we're just pining away for something better. We're just waiting for something great to hit us. And so the question is that I want to answer in the remaining time that we have together is this. How should we be leveraging our single life? How should we use our single life that we have? How has God designed it to work? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it lines out how God views your single life. How you can leverage your single life for something great. And I'll tell you what. The Christian view runs countery to every culture and every time and every place. The Christian view on singleness is totally different. And the first thing we see about the Christian life is this, that it, the Christian life, Christian view is that the single life is a gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 through 9, Paul says it this way. I wish that you were all as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. One of one of one kind and one of another, to the married and to the widows, I say that it is good for you to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. The first thing that Paul says is this, it's a gift from God. People have different gifts from God and singleness is actually a gift. Paul spent his entire life as a single man. He wrote much of the New Testament, traveled and planted all sorts of churches. He did stuff as a single guy. Who is the, the hero of the Christian faith? 
Starts with a J, ends with an us. Yeah, Jesus. Did Jesus get married? No, he did not. He spent his entire life as a single guy and died a single guy. He leveraged his life as a single man. Jesus says it this way. There are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able receive this, receive it. Jesus says, look, there are some men that that have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God, meaning they have chosen not to marry, but leveraged their entire life in the service of God. There are, the Christian view actually upholds singleness. It's not a bad thing. It actually is a good thing. It can be a strategic thing. Stuart uh, Stanley Hauerwas, he was a, he is a uh, Duke professor in theology. He writes it this way. Christianity was the very first religion that upheld single adulthood as a viable way of life. He writes one clear difference between Christianity and Judaism and all other traditional religions is that the former entertainment of the idea of singleness as a paradigm for the way of its followers. Nearly all ancient religions and cultures made an absolute value of the family and of bearing children. They, ancient cultures saw no value without family honor. And there was no real or lasting significance or legacy without leaving heirs. Without children, you essentially vanished. You had no future. That was the view of the traditional cultures. But Christianity is completely different. It says, look, there is value in the single life. You can leverage your single life toward great things. Rodney Stark, he is an author of The Rise of Christianity. He writes this, pagan widows face great social pressure to remarry. Augustus Caesar even had widows fined if they failed to marry within two years. In contrast, among Christians, widowhood was highly respected and remarriage was, if anything, mildly discouraged, but we'll read about in Paul. The church stood ready to sustain poor widows, allowing them a choice as to whether or not they would remarry. So in the Christian view, singleness is raised up. In ancient cultures, they, they believed singles were a drain on society, but to the Christian, they say, no, this is, a, this is a valuable life decision. There's nothing wrong with leveraging your single life. Paul says it is a gift to be leveraged for the purposes of Christ. Jesus says, look, some people are gonna be single their whole life, and that is okay. It is a good thing to leverage your single life. But I'll tell you this, every one of us, whether or not you remain single your entire life, or have it only for a season of life. It is a gift from God. Not everyone will marry, but a lot of people do. But every one of us will spend a season in singleness. So the question is, how are you leveraging it? Do you see it simply as a gift that God has given to you? So the first view is that it's a gift, but secondly, it's distinct. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the, the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. What Paul does next in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32 through 35, is he draws the line. There's a difference between single life and married life, and we should see them as distinct. And what he says about married people is this, their interests are divided. They can't just be focused on the Lord. They're, they're focused on this other one in their midst. There are constraints that come in marriage. I don't know if you know this. 
There are constraints that come in marriage. You can't just get up and do whatever you want to do. I remember about two weeks after I got married, I was 25 years old, and about two weeks after I get married, I get a random call from a buddy, and, and he goes, hey, do you want, you want to come out? We're going to go play some basketball and hang out. I'm like, normally, normal Kevin is, dude, let's, let's go, let's do it. And so I hop up, and I start walking out the door, and Hillary is sitting on the couch. We had been watching a TV show, and she says to me, where are you going? And I was like, I'm just going to play basketball with some buddies. And she's like, oh. And so I'm sitting there in that moment with the door open, basketball clothes on, and I see her go, oh. And I had to go, oh my gosh. Marriage has changed me. Not only do I have to ask permission to go, secondly, I, have, I may have to tell my dudes, no, I'm gonna be that guy, right? And a whole new realm opened up and I just text him back. I'm like, sorry dudes, um, something came up. You know, and I just, I gotta stay here. It's constraining in some ways. You can't just drive wherever you want. I remember over this holiday season, we were taking our kids to Katy to go uh, spend some time with, with family. And we had to take two vehicles, I kid you not. One for the children and one for all of their stuff. And the loading process took roughly a decade. Like it took so long to put all of their stuff here. I mean, there were cribs and animals and they got all in there. We loaded up everyone, we're about ready to go. And then one kid pipes up, I gotta go potty. And I'm like, what are you talking, we let, we, oh, okay. And we gotta pick them up and take them to go potty and then wait there. And so anytime people go, hey, what time are you gonna be there? I don't know. Hopefully today. Well, we hope to get there today. I remember as a single guy, I wanted to go spend some time in Colorado when I was a college student. And so it took me 10 minutes to pack. And I spent the whole summer in Colorado, just on my own, driving straight there, like two bathroom breaks on the trip. And, and you can do that as a single, but married life changes you. And when you come home as a single guy, Maybe you got a couple roommates over there. Maybe they're watching TV. Maybe they're not. You have a long day, and you go, and you just sit down. You're like, oh, what's up, dude? What's up? And that's how it goes, right? And you just stare blankly at this screen. It's phenomenal. It's, it's, and if, if, if one was to ask you, what are you thinking? And you'd be like, what are you doing? You know, that's it. But when you're married and you come home, that never happens, Right? You come home and immediately, my wife's tired of our children, right? And so she goes, you go play with these monsters and, and you head out there. And so I'm playing with them, going crazy. And finally, we get them in bed, bathed, dressed, in bed, sung songs, prayed for, in the bed, come back down. I sit on the couch and I love my wife. She says, hey, babe, I want to talk. I love talking to my wife, but not all the time. I'm tired. And last night, we rented a movie. We rented Jason Bourne, right? I was excited to watch the movie. And, and my wife, to her credit, she warned me. She said, she said and she's laughing, she said, I'm going to want to talk through this movie. So you just be ready to hit pause. And I said, okay. We made it 10 minutes through the movie. And we talked for about an hour and a half. It was, it was great. Life changes. When you're married, things change. You have concerns for your wife. And I tell you what, ladies, when you get married, it's the same thing. When you come home, you have all of these things that you want to talk about, all these things you want to do, and he's going to have expectations on you. 
I mean, his mama cleaned everything. She prepared these amazing, exquisite five-course meals, and he's just going to be like, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? She's going to look at you like, I don't know, what are you going to do for dinner tonight? <laughs> and it opens it up, and you're just like, oh my gosh, unmet expectations right there. And, and you're like, I, I want him to just think through and plan stuff, and he won't know how to do that because he's never had to do that. And you're like, why won't he just consider me and think, of, think ahead? And he's like, he doesn't know. He's never had to think beyond 10 minutes, so he doesn't know how to do it. And you're like, he will jump up and leave randomly to go play, go play basketball with his buddies. And you're like, what's the problem? And, and, he, and he's going to be like, you're going to be like, why don't you understand? And he's going to be like, I don't understand. I'm just going to play basketball. Well, we were here t- having fun. And you're like, I was just going to, I don't know where we're doing anything. And you're going to walk through that, right? And then he won't understand why you're crying. <laughs> he won't get it. And, and you'll be like, I just wish that he would understand. And he's going to be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And you'll be frustrated at him for not getting it. And he'll be frustrated at you for continuing. And, and you'll just be there. And it causes anxiety. And that's why Paul says, I want to free you from some anxiety. And I tell you what, it's easy to look at all of those things that I just laid out and be like, oh, married life is horrible. But I will tell you, no. It's great. There are so many great things about marriage. You can't have kids alone, right? I remember uh, just right now, it's, it's so hard to raise kids as a single person. This morning, Jesse's in my office, and he had to go poopy, right? This is where it gets real, people. I took him, and I'm sitting there for 20 minutes in front of him, holding his hands while he tries to go poopy. And it's getting closer. I have some slides to finish up, and I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting. I'm like, buddy, are you done yet? And he's like, no. And he's crying, and I'm like, I know. You're, you're like, oh. I'm like, I got stuff to do, right, buddy? And then I, and my wife goes, what is taking so long? And I'm like, baby, you got to take over this. And so we're in the men's bathroom, and I grab him up. He starts screaming. I run him over to her. You take him to that other bathroom, and she sits with him, holding him, caressing him in ways that I don't know how. And she, he's fine, right? So he's fine now. <laughs> but I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have to do this as a single dude, you couldn't. It's so hard. I tell you what, married life is good. Single life is good. It's not about what's better. It's about leveraging the season that you're in. See, the Corinthians are writing this question. They're like, Paul, which one's better? Should we be celibate? Should we be single? Or should we be married? And Paul's saying, look, it doesn't matter. Both are good. Neither one is better, but they're different. And your focus changes depending on which one you're engaged in. But when you're single, when you're single, see that they're different. But lastly, thirdly, you leverage your single life. See it as a season of undivided devotion to God. How should I view my single life? View it as a season of undivided devotion devotion to God. Verse 35 of chapter 7, Paul says it this way. I say this thing for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon anyone. I'm not telling you to get married or not get married. There's no restraints here. But to promote good order and secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. That's what I'm after. I want you to have an undivided devotion to God in this season of singleness. And what he says in verse 28 and 29 is this. If you do not marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. 
Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I want to spare you from that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown short. Your season of singleness is shorter than you think. It's shorter than you think. And in that season, here's what you can do. You can leverage that season in undivided devotion to God. And that's my encouragement to you. So you can study God's word more deeply than at any other time. You can serve God's people more broadly than at any other point in time. And you can submit fully to God's mission during that season of singleness more so than any other time. And I'll tell you what, I'm gonna give you three examples of people who have done just that. One is Tracy Toon. She works here, helps lead our college ministry. She graduated as an Aggie and left, went to, um, took a job in San Francisco and, and worked there. And, and she didn't live the single crazy life of, of cars and going out and just crazy. She actually saved money and was responsible and served her church while she was there. And then she got laid off. Crazy, um, it just a terrible time, but she had saved financially and she was okay. Her sister at that time was pregnant. And so she left, helped her sister. It was a tough pregnancy. She was there for, for a couple months helping her sister have a baby because she could leverage her single life to both serve her church. And then when something happened with her family, she was ready to go help. And she came here and took this job and is doing great work here at Grace Bible Church, leveraging her single life. There's a second man, his name is Rob Graves, and this story is amazing to me. He was Aggie class of 1986. Can I get a whoop for that? I don't know, you're not Aggies at 86, but, but 1986, he was an Aggie in 1986, and he had a heart, he graduated as a single guy, to go serve people in the hardest areas of the world. And so he got up and left, and literally he is serving in war-torn nations, crazy areas, lots of gunfire, lots of life on the line situations. He was single until his 50s. Until his 50s. And he was there on a team in a, in a, a horrible war-torn area, serving alongside this team of Christians that were helping humanitarily and bringing the gospel to this nation. And he met a German woman, and I'm gonna get her name right, a German woman there named, oh gosh, where's her name? I don't know. She was a cool German name. Okay, so think cool German woman. She was in her 40s, and both of them in this war-torn nation in the midst of genocide. They're working with Somalians at this point in time. During this war-torn nation, they're working there. Both of them decided they had an attraction to one another. He's in his 50s. She's in her 40s. And they both decided, because of the severity of the situation, we're not going to move our relationship forward. And so they didn't. The situation, they moved out of the situation later on. They both went to their respective countries, and then he calls her up. Would you like to go out with me? She's in Germany. He's like in the States at that time. They get together. They start dating. And a year ago, they had their first baby. Now, you see a picture of a guy who leveraged his single life. He went to some of the hardest places in the world saying, I'm going to unashamedly follow the cause of Christ. And I may be single my whole life. And that's okay. Someone came on later in life and, and, I'll, and I'll do that when it comes. But I'm not gonna sit and pine away and hope for the day that God drops someone in my lap. I'm gonna chase his direction and wait for his timing. And the last one I give to you, um, 
Uh, Chris McGuffey, he, he oversees our missions uh, department here. And he was in Greece for a season. He brought a girl who was um, 35 years old from Dallas to come be a part of his team in Athens, Greece. And she's there during that season in, in Athens, Greece. And, she, and everyone around her said, you're 35. You're going to lose all options of dating when you go. So just stay in Dallas. The single scene is awesome there. And she's like, no, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go. And as soon as she leaves, about a couple months later, one of her supporters, a single doctor, said, huh. And started, they started a relationship. He was one of her financial supporters, saw her go, and by his own admission, when I saw her wanting to go and serve God, I said, I need to take another look at this girl. And they start this distance relationship. And the way Guff tells it is hilarious. If you ever had a conversation with Chris McGuffey, he he basically says, so he had to date the whole group. That's what he had to do. And so at one point he flew over to visit her and all of us. But before he came, he said, look, is there, what's your favorite ice cream of everyone on the team? I will order your favorite ice cream to be sent to me. I will fly it to you to Greece and just serve all of you. Now he was a doctor. So he had some, you know, he was able to do that, right? So he got him from Boston, from California, all this ice cream in dry ice over to Athens. They had a big ice cream party. He served that entire group and started the relationship with this girl. I'm like, this is beautiful. You're gonna leverage your single life for the purposes of God. And I don't know where you land with that, but I'll tell you what, what God wants from you is to leverage it, use it, utilize it, because you can do things in that season that you can't do at any other time. And so I'm going to give you some options. This ties directly into one of our pushes this morning. There are a couple areas we want to highlight for you where you can serve, where you can leverage your single life during right now, this time in college. One is with our youth ministry. We need men and women to step up and lead with our youth at this campus. There are going to be some representatives in the back of the room after our time together. Secondly, with our events team. Come help us provide an environment for college students to connect, serve with our event team, go back there and ask more questions about it. Third, with missions. Our missions applications are closing. We do summer projects. We go to East Asia. We go to North Africa. We go to Greece. There are tons of opportunities. It will never be more easy than right now in this summer. Go be with us over missions, for missions overseas. Fourthly, our fellows program. Victoria spotlighted it, but I'll tell you, if you are thinking at all about ministry, now is a great season when you graduate to come be a part of us. If you want to know more about it, we got people in the back. Fifthly, with worship. Um, I'm just going to highlight Kaylee real quick. Okay, Kaylee led worship with us. She's, she's just a freshman, okay? And she did phenomenal leading with us. I remember talking with her week two or three here. She's like, I'm just unsure about getting plugged in. I said, hey, you have a home here. She's like, I think I'm going to go out for worship. I'm like, do it. And now she's leading with us, sharing her gifts with us. Totally beautiful. Are you, do you have skills in worship? Go lead with us. Help us. And lastly, dig deeply into the words of God. I know during my time in college, when I was a single guy, I took a systematic theology course that my church gave. I read all of the theology books I could get because I had more time then to leverage that than at any other time. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, for these people here. And I thank you so much for this season of singleness, this time when they can leverage their life towards something great. 
And Lord, I pray that we would not be people that pine away, that are longing for some other day when life can make sense or we can really be used by God, that we would actually look at our life right now and leverage it for your glory and our good. And I don't know what option will be best for each one here, but I pray that we would look carefully and that we would leverage this season well for your glory and our good. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, y'all have a great discussion around your tables. Uh, Go a little bit longer. Feel free to have a great conversation around it. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith. And we are just glad for you to join us as we basically look back on our sermons and we, we take a little bit of time to dig deeper into what was being taught, but then also look forward at, at what's coming up in our ministry. Uh, man, we are now two weeks into our relationship series. Two weeks in. And it has been a blast. Yes, it has. Uh, we got to talk on singleness specifically yesterday. Uh, and man, it was fun. It was, we didn't really know what to expect, you know, honestly. Yeah, when you talk to a bunch of college students about dating, you know they're going to be excited. But when you take that turn and talk to them <laughs> about single living, uh, it's a. It's a different response. Yeah, it's, di- <laughs> it's different. Yeah, one of the traditions in, in Aggieland is to say howdy um, or whoop at things. And uh, we didn't get many of those when we talk, <laughs> talked about singleness. Not a lot of they whoops. They were in, internal, internal whooping. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, they were just, they were so excited they couldn't even put it, they couldn't even bring it to No, whoop means it's awesome. And, uh, and yeah. so I, I said, are we got singles in the room? And I got a... Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> From two of them. Yeah, we uh it's interesting because we had I, we know we know for a fact after doing a survey that our students were gracious enough to be, you know, respond to honestly a week mm. ago. I mean, it was it was really cool. I found out I can't remember what your statistic was. I know that at Anderson we were 70% single. Um Yeah. That or almost 70%. So just yeah, we're, just we're over two thirds of our room, mm-hmm. of my room at least, and I think you were about the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, was single, so it, it hit a lot of people where they're at. Right. Um, but it's it, it's it's a powerful season. Is basically what we were trying to unpack. It's trying right. in looking at First Corinthians seven, we were trying to say, look, like this is a good thing, right. uh, regardless of maybe what society is saying about either singleness being the worst or even society's over push to say singleness is actually better than marriage. Right. Um, what we find in scripture is that there does there's not one that's necessarily objectively better. Right. That marriage is good, absolutely it's a gift from the Lord. But so is singleness. It's mm-hmm. good. It's a gift from the Lord. It was adopted by Paul. It was adopted by Jesus Christ himself. Right. Uh, it, it's it's a lifestyle that as we saw as we saw in 1 Corinthians 7, it it, it allows it, it more easily creates a lifestyle that is focused mm. on the Lord and his purposes. You're not necessarily as divided right. um, as someone who's married. So, Well, uh, one of the great things about even talking with some students afterward is they, uh, for them, the ones that I'd spoken to, they'd never really heard from uh, the stage in, in a church an affirming of the single life. And it was fun to be able to actually affirm that, to say, this is this is not a bad thing. It is God honoring to have a season of singleness. And that season may be... Uh, into your twenties, or it may be well beyond that, into your, into stretching into your entire life, and so basically to affirm that as a a good 
God-given gift to you is actually a, a fun thing to be able to, to celebrate among our singles. And as you said, Jacob, Paul was single. Jesus was single. Uh, we, we come from a faith that affirms all, you know, no matter how God has ordained it for you to spend that time well. Yeah. And one of the things I think that you get to see in 1 Corinthians 7 that we were able to basically unpack is, yeah, well, you have this opportunity to be wholly dedicated to right. the Lord's service. Uh, and so when we are looking at students in particular, as we're looking at our context of colleges, 18 to 22-year-olds, uh, the majority of whom are single right now, right. Uh, we basically were trying to break down, okay, well, here's areas where you can use this gift. Here's area, here's the ways that you can leverage your current stat, your current relational status uh, to point people towards the Lord. And one of the the first ones that came to our minds uh, was just serving. You know, it's I mean, it's the verb that's being used in the passage, which kind of gave it away. But but it's also just the reality is that we live in the midst of if we're so focused on our needs and serving ourselves in the midst of singleness, as maybe some societies will tell us to do. Uh, what we're doing is we're missing out on the the real felt needs of people around us. So serving forces you out of that kind of inward focused prison and you get to see, man, I have an opportunity to get involved. Hmm. I have an opportunity to to meet needs, to to serve people that are younger than me, serve my peers, serve people that are older than me. You know, like there's a lot of opportunities to basically get out there, get involved and give of your time and energy. Use that freedom that you have for the Lord's purposes. Yeah. Yeah, the second thing that we, as we were talking about, what are the benefits of singleness? The second area we would encourage you to do in your single life is is to stretch yourself. Um, not only serve, but to stretch. It During this time, especially in college, is a unique time when you have summers off, and yeah. those don't stick around forever. You're going to get a real job, and you'll get two weeks a year, and the opportunity to stretch yourself, to go on a mission trip uh, for six weeks over the summer, to... Uh, serve at a, a a camp for the entire summer, yeah. or to just pick up and and go where there's a a need, are actually a lot thinner when you have a a full time job and if and when you you have a family. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing we would tell you to do is not only serve, but secondly stretch yourself, go outside of your con- comfort zone and explore opportunities that are going to be unique to you as a single. Yeah, and ultimately. We want to make sure that all of these things, you know, in this season are, are helping us seek the Lord, right? We want to grow in our knowledge of the Lord. We want to be basically growing deeply in that devotion uh, to know him, to know his word, to, uh, to, to see his impact on our lives, to reflect on the things that he's done. Uh, man, it's, it's easy in marriage. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it's easy in marriage to almost become even more self-focused even with that companion, because you think, hey, you need to be serving me, you need to be, you know, helping me grow and all, you know, all these things. And, mm-hmm. and we have, you know, weekends about pursuing each other like you're used to. And, you know, and, that's, <laughs> and it's good. And that's a legitimate responsibility that God has given to husbands and wives. But, but man, in that time of singleness, you are you know, essentially dating Jesus. Right. <laughs> even as I hate to say that. It is the you, worst statement you, you could say. But yes, <laughs> you have you have the opportunity. I mean, honestly, to you have to be singly devoted to yeah. uh, to Christ. Yeah. And you know, I, I was I was talking to Jacob earlier and the, you know, one of the great opportunities I had during my single season, especially in college, was to study a lot of theology, to, right. to grow more deeply, read books that that I had some bandwidth to that I, I don't now when I have got 
when I've got four kids at home. So there's yeah. the, the bandwidth closes. And so to use that opportunity to, to really seek the Lord and grow deeply. So. Absolutely. So speaking of stretching and serving and seeking man, we've got some opportunities right here. Boom. Some ways to use that singleness, if that is you. Yes. Uh, well, we, and even, you know, if you are in a relationship, I mean, you know, even if you're married, you're still called to serve the Lord. You still can. It's not impossible. <laughs> Paul is just pointing out it's a little bit more difficult. Right. Um, but in the freedom that you have, we have always had at the forefront of our ministry vision for the nations. We, we want to really own the Great Commission to go forth, to go to all people, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. We want to go and take the gospel where it's not always shared and we want to share it. And so uh, we have summer trips coming up and the applications for them are due on February 10th. February 10th. And And so if you have never been on a summer project and been with been with us to go serve overseas, sharing the gospel with college students overseas. This is a tremendous <coughs> opportunity. We strongly encourage you to jump in with us, join us on this. February 10th, we go to a variety of locations. Mm-hmm. You can check those out at www.grace-bible.org. Yeah. And strongly encourage you to, to check those out. Information on the times, the dates, all that stuff. is the first half of the summer. Right. You're back in time for session two. Um, and camps and things like that. So uh, we also have a really great opportunity, something that we both know and love is our fellows program. Right. Uh, essentially, it's an opportunity for college graduates. Uh, once, you, once you're out of school and you're kind of moving into a full-time vocation, uh, we want to have an opportunity. We make an opportunity for students to come in uh, and see what does it look like to work in a church? Mm-hmm. What, what would a vocational ministry lifestyle look like? Yeah. And so it's a two-year process where there's uh, training and equipping. There's exposure to a lot of just what it looks like to work in ministry and go on, lead mission trips and and lead organizational, you know, events and things like that. Um, But we, it's something that we know and love. It's something that we've had, I mean, over a hundred people have gone through it over the past few years. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a cool opportunity just to kind of get your feet wet and and get exposed to a lot of what, how God could use you uh, in that context. So the applications for that are also due in February, closer to the end of February. Uh, But again, more information about that's on our website, uh, grace-bible.org. So yeah. Hopefully you look look at those things. Thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College podcast and our dating series in particular. Hope you have a great week. Absolutely.